0: welcome you to day two of our look through Matthew chapter 24. Remember, we're looking at this Olivet Discourse, this two-chapter look by Jesus at his return and his basic truth that you need to make sure not to misplace your hope. You need to make sure not to be deceived by false claims. and You need to be awake, be aware to his coming again. Yesterday, we talked about not misplacing your hope. Today, I want to focus on not being deceived, Not being deceived. And Jesus specifically, remember yesterday we talked about don't be deceived by people, false Christ. Don't be deceived by the signs and think that something's going to happen that I haven't said is going to happen. When it comes to looking forward to the return of Jesus, there are three things that are going to cause you every time to get the wrong answer to the question of his return. False messiahs, wars and natural disasters, and persecution. Jesus talks about all of them here. He says if you listen to false messiahs, obviously you're going to get the wrong answer. In verse 5, many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and they will deceive many. Jesus says here, it's going to work. There are some false messiahs that will deceive many because you can't see when he's gonna come again and you can see the false messiah and many people will choose what they can see over what they can't see. It will fool you many, many times. Jesus says, be patient, be waiting for me. Trust in the fact that I'm coming again. Don't buy the lie of these false messiahs. He also says you can be fooled by world events, by wars and natural disasters. Verses 6 to 8, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, there are a lot of wars in the world today. Jesus has to come again like next month. Or look at all the earthquakes that just happened. Jesus must be coming again in just the next year. But listen to Jesus. He says these things are going to happen from now until they come again. It's been happening for 2,000 years. And he says, don't be fooled. It's just the beginning. Now, we do need these signs of the fact that this world is not something you can trust in. Sometimes things start to go well in this world. There's not a war for a while. There hasn't been an earthquake for a while. And we think, well, this world's great. Let's just go on with this world as it is. But then come the wars. Then come the natural disasters. And we realize, no, this world is not meant to last. This world one day is going to be replaced by a new heaven and a new earth where there are no wars. There's no earthquakes because it is not stained by sin. It's not stained by sin. When you see these things happening, Jesus says, it means that something someday will happen, but not necessarily now. Don't be fooled, he says. And he also says, don't be fooled by persecution. In verses 9 to 14, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Jesus here says that persecution is going to be happening to believers all down through the ages. Don't let the fact that Christians are being persecuted cause you to lose hope. It doesn't mean that Jesus isn't coming again. The truth is, whatever persecutions we face, he is still coming again. Now, there is a phrase that he uses here that causes some to scratch their heads. He says, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Does that mean if I don't have perfect faith to the end, if I struggle with temptation, that somehow I'm not going to be saved? Does this invalidate everything that Jesus taught us about him holding us in his hand as a sheep and that nothing could snatch us out of his hand? No, it does not. Now, this either means that you can't be saved unless you stand firm until the end, or, and this is what I believe it means, it means those who are truly his will stand firm until the end. There are those, though, he says here, and we're going to look at this a little bit later this week, who fall away. And they fall away because they never really were his. Now, as Jesus talks about these signs that are coming at the end of time, now he goes into a discussion of when will this happen? That question the disciples had. When will the fall of this temple happen? Jesus said, not one stone on another. And these verses that we're going to look at now, verses 15 to 28, there's the most disagreement about these verses and what they mean of all the verses and what Jesus taught in this sermon on his second coming. Some see these verses as being all about, totally about the fall of Jerusalem and the fall of the temple in 70 AD. Some people see them as being totally about the tribulation time that comes before Jesus returns. And the truth is there are strong arguments for and against both of those views. And it's possible that Jesus is talking back and forth about both, even in the midst of these verses. Uh, Let me read these verses for you, and then we'll take a look at them. Verses 15 to 22. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Now, the this that those disciples asked about was the fall of the temple. And there was no doubt about it, a fall of the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem. So this chapter, I believe, as you read through these verses, intersperses talk of Jerusalem in 70 AD with the return of Jesus. This can't be only about Jerusalem because Jesus here says that there will be distress in those days unequaled from now and unequaled again. Well, the distress of the final days is going to be the greatest distress of all. So there is... There is a application in 70 AD, but there's also an application here to the end of time. Now, these verses also can't only be about the end of time. Luke actually, as he talks about these verses, these statements of Jesus, reveals for us that Jesus is talking about Jerusalem. He's talking about the Roman armies coming in. When Jesus talks about those who flee, taking flight from the city, it wouldn't make sense in the time of tribulation. There's nowhere to flee in the tribulation, and Christians aren't going to need to flee. God's going to rescue us from that time in his way, in his timing. In these verses, Jesus talks about something called the abomination of desolation. What's he talking about? Well, it's from the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 31, says his armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress." and will abolish the daily sacrifice. They will set up the abomination that causes desolation. Now, there is this little parenthesis here that says, let the reader understand. So we understand by this that this letter that was written to the Christians under the Roman persecution, let the reader understand. There's an idea here that this is talking about the Roman armies. Luke says that it is the Roman army. Some feel that that doesn't mean just the armies, but the idols that they carried, But behind all of this is the fact that Jesus is talking about signs and not to be fooled. Don't get so caught up in understanding whether this is Jerusalem or the tribulation that you miss the main point of Jesus. Because the main point of Jesus is not to figure out the signs. The main point of Jesus is don't be deceived by the signs into putting your hope into someone else, something else. Put your hope in me. Now, we know this is true because Jesus goes back immediately to re-emphasize that we should not be deceived, beginning in verse 23 down through verse 28. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out. For here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Now, what does that last phrase mean? Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Well, the world is dying. And Jesus says as things die, there are people who will try to take advantage of that. There are false teachers, there are liars who will try to take advantage of that and get you to trust in them so that they can take advantage of you, and that's going to be their hope at the end. Jesus says, when I return, it's going to be obvious to everyone, like a flash of lightning. You can't miss what it was. So don't be fooled by those who offer you false hope through a false teaching about a false return of a false Christ. Don't be deceived. That's the focus of today. Back in verse 6, Jesus says, see to it that you are not alarmed. Don't be deceived by the events in the world today and the signs that you see today. And when you're deceived, you become alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Now, I know in one sense, there's a lot to be alarmed about in this world today. But Jesus says, not for his followers. There are things that happen in this sinful world, wars, rumors of wars. And we hear about them now. We hear about them real time, moment to moment, because our world through the internet is moment to moment now. And if you were a person who wanted to put anxiety into your life, it wouldn't take two seconds to do it. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not putting your hope in this world. Your hope is in eternity. Your hope is in Christ. Your hope is in this moment of his return. Your hope is in what he's going to do for all eternity. So Jesus says, as a follower, you don't have to be alarmed. You can live alert to his return instead of being alarmed by this world. You can live with a sense of joy and peace even in a world that's falling apart because you're not trusting in this world that's falling apart. So as we pray today, let's ask Jesus to give us hope and peace and faith because the world around us needs it. They need to see it. They need to see it in you because they need that hope. They need that peace. They need that faith. Our Father, as we pray today. We pray that even in a world where there are troubles and things are falling apart all around us, that through your spirit, You would cause us to live, not with anxiety and worry and alarm, but you'd cause us to live with faith, with hope, with trust in you. Help us to live that way for ourselves, for our own hearts, but also help us to live that way so that people that are around us can see you don't have to trust in this world. There is a God who is above and beyond this world, who's come into this world, and we can trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us tomorrow. We're going to take a look at what Jesus had to say about the order of events at the second coming of Jesus.